Welcome to Yankee Stadium some 20 years ago. This is once again the Throwback League, and we're glad you've taken the time to find it. This is Josh Lewin, and for the next 45 minutes or so, I'll be your narrator, your tour guide, your docent, hopefully a decent docent. We'll uh, navigate together. We'll see what happens as we stroll the land of make-believe. What if Joe Torre's 2000 World Series champion Yankees matched up against the 1990 runners-up, the Bash Brothers, Oakland A's, managed by Tony La Russa. The outcome never predetermined at the Throwback League. We put the lineups in, we run the sim on the whatifsports.com website. Their algorithm churns out the play-by-play result. I just walk that box score into the recording studio and recreate and reanimate what the computer says went down. So far, five teams have advanced in our bracket of 48 competition. We've seen a couple upsets, a couple surprises. Last week, the 1986 Red Sox beat back the World Series champion Blue Jays of 1993, a 12 seed getting it done against a 5. This matchup today, more in the silo of anything can happen. It's a 9 seed visiting an 8, although what a powerful 9 seed. The 1990 A's had already been in two straight World Series. They won the one with the earthquake, they lost the one without. They were supposed to have rolled over the 1990 Reds, but instead... They got swept. We will talk to A's closer, Dennis Eckersley, about all that in between innings. But for now, let's start by getting you reacquainted with the venue of this game. Yankee Stadium's original address, the original house that Ruth built, although it was indeed reconstructed in the mid-1970s. But yeah, this one originally built in 1923 at the site of an old lumber yard. They built it to accommodate the big crowds that would come out to see Babe Ruth play. They listed capacity at 62,000. They say 74,000 were on hand for the first game. And the first time Ruth came to the plate in that first game here, he homered in the right field bleachers. Yankee Stadium, known for a lot more than just baseball in its heyday. This is where the NFL's so-called greatest game ever played took place. Colts over the Giants in overtime. Uh, Joe Lewis knocked out Max Schmeling here. This is where Newt Rockney made his famous win one for the Gippers speech when Notre Dame beat Army. You too would go on to play sold-out concerts here. Pink Floyd did the same. You can stroll back by the outfield, look at the plaques out in Monument Park. Everyone from Joe DiMaggio to Mickey Mantle to Casey Stengel to a couple of popes. The monuments themselves, Garrick, Ruth, Mantle, Miller, Huggins. Anyway, John Miller, the longtime voice of Sunday Night Baseball, weighs in with his recollections of storied Yankee Stadium. When they remodeled that ballpark, uh, they moved out of there for a couple of years into Shea Stadium. And the legendary voice of Yankee Stadium, Bob Shepard, solved the problem of having to welcome everybody to the home of the Mets by saying, you know, good evening, evening, ladies and gentlemen, the Yankees welcome you to Shea Stadium. And uh, so... (laughs) So the, the first time I went to New York to broadcast a Yankees game, it was at Chase Stadium, which was a terrible disappointment for me. Uh, the new Yankee Stadium at that time, the remodeled Yankee Stadium, uh, which then became the old Yankee Stadium in 2009, uh, did not have the facade up on the, the rooftop that had been this, the signature of the ballpark. They, they kept some of that around the outfield above the scoreboards. And, uh, but also, they did something there. They took out all of the support poles, which meant obstructed views if you have the bad luck to have a seat behind one of those. And yet, 
even though they took those all out, the stands were closer, the upper, the second deck and the third deck were closer to the field than in, than in any other ballpark that did not have those poles. And for some reason, they've not been able to ever do that again with any of the, the newer ballparks, including the brand new Yankee Stadium now. Uh, I re- remember in 1998 when the Padres played in the World Series, uh, Tony Gwynn was so excited and he just couldn't wait to hear Bob Shepard announce his name. And Ken Caminetti, who was uh, like an MVP that year for the Padres, hit 40 home runs. Uh, he said it was intimidating. He went out to third base and it looked like the fans in the upper deck were right over his shoulder looking right straight down at him. Uh, that's how close and uh, it was a great big ballpark, sort of uh, the antithesis of a, an intimate ballpark, and yet there was that intimacy there, which I think people overlook. So, uh, and they still had the the dimensions, the the home run porch in right field, which for me, I, uh, the first thing I always think of is Derek Jeter in 2001 against the uh, D-backs in a great World Series ending a, an extra inning game to keep the Yankees alive in that World Series with a home run in the right field, which for Jeter, he had sort of that the swing to do that. that. That's where he hit most of his home runs at Yankee Stadium. Jeter in the lineup as expected for Joe Torre. We'll get to that in a bit, but yeah, like John Miller, I used to love that ballpark too. Bad elevators, a little dirty, a little grimy, but still classic old-time baseball with fans who totally let you know what they were thinking. And when you look around this park, Wow, the the faded blue seats from the the boxes to the upper deck, the terraced white facade, the blue outfield walls over which are the advertising slogans for Hess Gasoline, the Sports Authority, Armatron, MetLife, Utz Potato Chips, and who else but W.B. Mason on the wall in right center in between signs for Sony and Models. So as the colonnade organ plays, the Yankees of the year 2000 were a two-time defending World Series champion. They finished first in the AL East, two and a half games ahead of Boston. This after losing 15 of their last 18 games, including their last seven in a row. And despite having the lowest winning percentage of any postseason qualifier in 2000, the Yankees were the World Series winners over the Mets. That was their 26th World Series title. And they are, as of 2020, the last team to win World Series titles in consecutive years. And that championship victory broke the uh, the world championship record for most championships, then held by the Montreal Canadiens. Late season roster reinforcements helped that team, I think, from Luis Soho to Luis Polonia. And strangely, since they're uh, matched up here with the 1990 A's, Jose Canseco was brought in from Tampa Bay in early August. Canseco's big contribution actually now well, getting tagged out just behind Tino Martinez by Mike DeFelice at home plate in a two-outs-at-home plate deal that, that everyone always seems to love. Elsewhere in baseball, in that 2000 season, the separate American and National League offices had been dissolved, and there was just one single unified organization. The umpiring crews got mixed together. Sammy Sosa won the home run derby at Turner Field in Atlanta. No more Garcia Parra and Todd Helton both hit 372 that year. Sosa led the NL in home runs. He had 50. Troy Gloss, the AL, with 47. The saves leader that year in Major League Baseball, you wouldn't get it with 12 guesses. It was Antonio Alfonseca down in Miami. See what I did there with 12 guesses? Yeah, Alfonso, uh, Alfonseca, the, the 12-fingered guy. Six digits on each hand. He was uh, digitally enhanced. Carlton Fisk, Tony Perez, 
Sparky Anderson all got into the Baseball Hall of Fame that summer. John Rocker was ordered into counseling for that Sports Illustrated article where he denounced New Yorkers and pretty much all of humanity. But here's a crime against humanity. Here's uh, what we were listening to in the year 2000. This song was on the radio a lot. We were all going on the website to do hotornot.com. Uh, going to the movies, we saw Tom Hanks in a volleyball star in Castaway. We saw Denzel Washington coaching him up in Remember the... Um, what was that? <laughs> I know, I'm a dork. Uh, and in Meet the Parents, Robert De Niro informed Ben Stiller, I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? The hot book was ugh, Tuesdays with Maury. Parents were naming their kids things like Topher. Brad Pitt married Jennifer Aniston. Angelina Jolie married Billy Bob Thornton. Richard Hatch won the first season of Survivor on TV. So, now that we've reminded you about 2000, we need to roll you back 10 years prior. Let's reset for the 1990 Oakland A's. And yeah, it's 1990, so word to your mother. We invite you to stop, collaborate, and enjoy this little ditty while we tell you about Tony La Russa's 1990 Athletics. They won 103 regular season games. They swept the ALCS, but then they got swept by the Reds in the World Series that October. Eight of the nine main postseason starters for them had been in at least one All-Star game between 1988 and 1990. That's pretty good. The A's pitching staff may be the best thing they had. Starting rotation led by Bob Welch. He would end the season with 27 wins, 2.95 ERA, and the Cy Young Award. Dave Stewart, 22 wins. Mike Moore was in that rotation. Scott Sanderson, Kurt Young. The bullpen led by the superstar closer Dennis Eckersley. The .61 ERA, 48 saves. The A's allowed only 570 runs all year, fewest in the AL by a very wide margin. Elsewhere in 1990, Jim Palmer and Joe Morgan both went into the Hall of Fame. Sandy Alomar Jr. and Dave Justice burst onto the scene as Rookies of the Year. 51 home runs for Big Daddy, Cecil Fielder coming back for the Tigers, having been in Japan. Bobby Thigpen, a record 57 saved games for the White Sox. And your Saturday afternoon Game of the Week teams on CBS were Jack Buck and Tim McCarver, backed up by Dick Stockton and Jim Cott. Off the field, well, if you're in your 40s or north of that, you may remember we went out to watch Macaulay Culkin outsmart the burglars in Home Alone. Patrick Swayze was getting weird at a pottery wheel in Ghost. Johnny Depp portraying Edward Scissorhands and leaving us all to wonder, how does he wipe? We, uh, we heard for the first time on TV, I've fallen and I, and I can't get up. <laughs> That's still going on, believe it or not. That woman's got to be 120 by now. George W. Bush not liking broccoli. That was somehow a major news event that year. On the radio, Janet Jackson wanted to take you on an escapade for some unknown reason. And Michael Bolton wondered aloud how he was supposed to live without you. I'm trying to remember the line from the, uh, the humorous Dave Barry back then. I think he wrote that Michael Bolton sounds like he's having his prostate examined by Captain Hook. Anyway, so the uh, starting lineup now for the visiting 1990 A's is a light rain begins to fall at Yankee Stadium. Just a drizzle on a cool night. A few navy blue windbreakers being worn in those right field bleachers. And, oh, in this night, since it is 1990, right, blame it on the rain by Millie Vanilli, the disgraced lip-syncing weirdos. Well, at least it's not Michael Bolton, I guess, right? Leading off, here we go. Third baseman Carney Lansford at the top, then the shortstop Walt Weiss, switch hitter batting right. And, in fact, it's an all-right-hand hitting lineup against the Yankees lefty Andy Pettit. Left field, well, you got the AL MVP Ricky Henderson. 
Dave Henderson will follow in a little bit, but first let's get you to Conseco hitting clean up and right. Mark McGuire at first base. It is Henderson after that, and then the bottom third is the catcher Terry Steinbach. You've got the second baseman Mike Gallego, and finally the DH batting ninth is 35-year-old former Yankee Willie Randolph. As for the home team, the current Yankees, we'll get you uh, synced up here to 2000 again with a little, well, in sync. That it, it just kind of writes itself sometimes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Leading off for the 2000 Yankees, at second base, Chuck Knobloch. Shortstop is Derek Jeter, of course, right field, Paul O'Neill. Switch hitting Bernie Williams in center, Tino Martinez at first. The DH, the future Oakland A, Dave Justice. Catcher is Jorge Posada. Right field, you've got, excuse me, left field, you've got Ricky Lede, left-hand batter. Third baseman is the former Oakland A, Scott Brocious. On the mound, you've got Andy Pettit, big left-handed Texan, an eventual 256-game winner who crushed it in the playoffs every year as well. This year in his prime at the age of 28, 19-9, 4.35 ERA. Very pedestrian walks to strikeout numbers. He had 80 of the former, only 125 of the latter. Five undefeated starts, though, in the postseason of 2000 with very well-pitched games against the Mets. 31 playoff innings, not a single home run allowed. He made three of those starts in power-friendly Yankee Stadium. Pettit done with his warm-up throws. Jorge Posada fires that ball down to Jeter near second base. He'll wing it around the horn as Carney Lansford gets set to dig in. A's in their traveling grays with green and gold trim. The Yankees in those instantly recognizable home pinstripes. The navy blue cap with the interlocking N and Y on the front. Lansford wearing the number four on his back. 268 batter, three homers, 50 runs batted in. He did steal 16 bases, was caught 14 times. First pitch to him is low in the dirt. We are underway. Lansford, the former Angels and Red Sox third baseman. Pushed out of Boston with the emergence of Wade Boggs. He is solid, not spectacular. Career 290 hitter. Takes and it's outside 2-0. Left to right for the Yankees in the outfield. Lede, Bernie Williams, and O'Neill. They're all pushed a bit towards left field. Kind of ratcheted around. Broch is at third. Jeter at short. Knobloch at second. Tino Martinez at first. Posada is the catcher. As the pitch comes in and it's outside. Carney Lansford won a batting title in 1981. Almost won another last year in 89. He finished three points behind Kirby Puckett. Here it comes from Pettit. Pours in a strike. That one right down the middle. Two and one. Lansford had a game-winning eighth-inning hit in game one of the ALCS this year to beat his old Red Sox team. Little bloop in a shallow right that brought home Conseco. The A's would sweep the Sox in the ALCS, but then get swept by the Reds when it mattered. Here's a kick in the pitch from Pettit. Swinging it's chopped towards short. Easy pickings. And Derek Jeter across to Tino Martinez. Put it right on the zip line and right in the chest. And there is quickly one away. Walt Weiss, the batter. From not too far away from here, Tuxedo, New York. 26 years old, 265 hitter this year, couple of home runs. Weiss, like his teammates, has the green stirrups over yellow socks, the A's and the dark green batting helmets, and a little bit of that drizzle beating up on the brim of that helmet. As Walter William Weiss stands in, takes a strike at the knees, it's nothing in one.
Weiss drafted by Sandy Alderson's A's as a first rounder in 1985. Rookie of the year in 88. And everyone said you can't win with a rookie shortstop, but the A's did. Well, right up until Kirk Gibson and Oral Hershiser mowed him down in the World Series. Pitch is low to Weiss. It's one and one. You know, they had an MLB Network roundtable. They had a discussion about who's the player, past or present, you would least want to have to go up against in a brawl. And the names, John Carlos Stanton, Dave Parker, even Willie Mopena were thrown around. John Smoltz insisted Walt Weiss would be his guy. He's not big, but he's scrappy, and he fouls this pitch down near third. He goes skipping by third base coach Renee Latchman. One and two to count to Weiss, who will never be confused for a bash brother. Even when he'll play in Denver at Coors Field, more of a singles hitter, but everybody loves him for his defense. Pettit winds and fires. Swing this one rolled up towards first base. Little check swing roller that Tino Martinez handles. He goes to the bag, two down. No score, top of the first. 90 A's against the OO Yankees. And here is Ricky Henderson, the former Yankee. What a year. 325 hitter, 28 home runs, 65 stolen bases. Your 1990 MVP, eventually a first ballot Hall of Famer. Bill James once said, if you could split Ricky Henderson in two, you'd actually have two Hall of Famers. The man of steel, regarded as the greatest leadoff hitter and, and base runner, really, of all time. In Major League Baseball, 25-year career, two stints with Oakland, and yeah, the run with these Yankees in between. He's got that skin-tight uniform on. He takes low. It's ball one. Henderson born Christmas Day of 1958 in Chicago in the backseat of an Oldsmobile on the way to the hospital. He was named Ricky Nelson Henley after singer-actor Ricky Nelson. That is a true fact. Strike taken here. This one on the inside corner, one and one. Ricky batting in that deep crouch. He once described his approach to Sports Illustrated. He, he said, if I, if I squat down real low at the plate, I can see the ball better, and I know it throws the pitcher off. Says, I found I could put my weight on my back foot, still turn my hips on the swing. And sometimes walking so much even gets me mad, he said. Ed Ott of the Angels once got so frustrated because the umpire was calling balls that would have been strikes on anybody else. Ed Ott stood up and shouted at Ricky Henderson, stand up and hit like a man. <laughs> and he takes here a little low, two balls, one strike. Only 65 steals for Henderson this year. I say only because he's had a season of 100, 108, and 130. Such a dangerous player in so many ways. The next pitch from Pettit is chopped neatly on the ground to second base. Knobloch takes a breath. He lobs. Ooh, a little high. But he got him. Knobloch has been an adventure at times with his throws this year, but he had time to get even the speedy Ricky Henderson there. And the side is retired. No runs, hits, or errors. Nobody left. Bottom of the first coming up. There is no score. And to get you ready for the 2,000 Yankees at bats, we pause for this. My city now is a wonderland of sound where Jefferson Airplane takes off on the hour. Tom Petty's there, Alice in chains, and the in-flight meal is always fishbone. And just when you think things are really getting out of whack, you look out, and there you are, your own private sound garden. CD Now is music your way, with more albums than any other music store, online or off. And now get up to 30% off store-wide, plus free shipping. What's your CD Now like? 
As for something you can get into right now, here in 2020, may we suggest you try out our good friends at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, the best, most perfectly blended coffee on either coast of the great USA. Since 1963, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf has been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from around the world with responsibly sourced ingredients and handcrafted coffees and teas. The Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf truly is an experience like no other. And available for a very limited time, try their new Horchata Cold Brew Coffee or world-famous ice blended. And attention New Yorkers, they're under construction with the first of many stores to come in Brooklyn. So keep your eyes peeled. Coffee, bean, and tea leaf will change your life. Bottom of the first now, at Yankee Stadium, Eddie Layton at the organ, as you can hear. Dave Stewart on the mound for the A's. 22-11, and 2.56 this year. Normally Cy Young Award numbers, but his own teammate Bob Welch beat him to the punch. Stewart, the Dodgers' 16th round selection originally back in 1975, three-time World Series champion. He once won 20 games four seasons in a row. Dodgers, Rangers, Phillies, Blue Jays, besides these A's on his resume. He gave up a three-run homer to, to George Orta of the Kansas City Royals one time in Texas, and the home fans booed him off the field. And after the game, he called the fans idiots. He challenged them to come on the field, do his job for him. Tom Grieve, the general manager, fined Dave Stewart 500 bucks, but that wasn't enough for Rangers ownership. Eddie Childs demanded that Tom Grieve trade Dave Stewart. That's how he ended up with the Phillies and eventually these Oakland A's. Believe it or not, the only season Dave Stewart was an all-star was last year, 1989. World Series MVP last year, too. This year, pitched a no-hitter. He was born and raised in Oakland, the son of a longshoreman. He is a long way from home in this one at Drizzly Yankee Stadium. And he's up against a Yankee team that survived these very A's in the 2000 ALDS, three games to two. They then extinguished the Mariners four games to two, won the World Series four games to one against the Crosstown Mets. Leadoff man for New York is ready. Chuck Knobloch hit 283 this year. Only five home runs for the former twin. Four years with the Yankees. Everyone was seeing him in a World Series of some sort, winning three of them. And the pitch to him fouled back, nothing in one. There are some interesting postseason times for Knobloch as a Yankee. You might remember you argued with the umpire as Enrique Wilson scored from first in an extra inning game with Cleveland in 98. Local tabloids called him a blockhead. Knobloch recovered, though, was an important factor when they beat the Padres in the World Series. And the 1999 World Series against the Braves, too. Pitch to him is in the dirt. It's one and one. But this was the year the yips set in. Couldn't throw the ball straight from second base. Keith Olbermann's mother was hit in the head five rows back in the stands one game. As the pitch comes in, it's inside, it's two and one. Now, Knobloch would actually leave the field, leave the stadium after one of those games, a three-error game. But he came back, often as a DH, and even used in left field eventually. Here's the wind in the pitch to him. Swinging a fly ball. That's into shallow right. And Jose Canseco, who once got hit in the head by a fly ball, no problems here making the catch. So one down in a scoreless first inning, bottom of the first. And here's Derek Jeter. Fresh off a 339 batting average this year, 15 home runs. Oakland fans of the year 2001 will always remember the play he made to basically win the ALDS back at Alameda County Stadium. 
Jeremy Giambi trying to score standing up and the from out of nowhere shovel toss relay to the plate that Jeter made to keep the Yankees on top. Here's a strike from Stewart poured right in there nothing in one. Two hundred and one hits for Jeter this year actually his lowest total of the last three years. 2000 World Series MVP hitting 409 five extra base hits including a couple of home runs. Swings here doesn't get it nothing in two looked like the fork ball that time from Dave Stewart. All 20 years with this Yankee team in the big leagues for Jeter. Yankees drafted him sixth overall in 1992 and famously the scout who recommended Jeter was asked Jeter isn't he going to the University of Michigan. And the scout said no he's going to Cooperstown. And 28 years later he would indeed get voted in very close to unanimously as Stewart deals low it's one and two. Speaking of sixth not just sixth pick overall but he'll end up sixth all time in hits in the history of the big leagues with Derek Jeter. The Astros picked first that year they went with Phil Nevin and Hal Newhauser who worked for the Astros as a scout quit <laughs> after the Astros paled to heed his advice to take Jeter and not Nevin. Here's a wind in the pit swing and a miss strike three that devastating fourth ball out number two. Still no score here's Paul O'Neill. Wearing that number 21 on his back and he's seemingly up on his tiptoes when he's in his stance a beautiful natural uppercut lefty power swing and his number is not formally retired but when they gave 21 to Latroy Hawkins in 2008 Latroy Hawkins changed it out within a week because there was so much criticism pitch to him a strike it's nothing in one. 18 homers this year 100 runs batted in right on the button five time all star and a big league career split between his hometown of Cincinnati and here in New York. Big guy 6'4 200 pounds taking outside it's one and one. The thing about O'Neill he is absolutely his own toughest critic. We'll go off on a tirade. One time brawled with Seattle catcher John Morizano who just got tired of all the, the belly aching. O'Neill had complained to the umpire that the previous pitch was high and inside. Morizano then just hit Paul O'Neill with a haymaker. Dave Stewart winds brings it fly ball towards left field hangs right up there. Here comes Ricky Henderson makes that snatch catch. Kind of whipping that glove around cool customers Ricky Henderson the side is retired no runs no hits no errors nobody left end of one no score and with Stewart looking this good early on maybe there will be no need for the great Oakland closer and I guess if we're going to talk to their Hall of Fame closer Dennis Eckersley we might as well do it now Eck a terrific broadcaster these days for the Boston Red Sox spends a lot of time back in Oakland now in his downtime since his grandkids are there and he spoke about the 1990 A's having already been to the promised land before in 88 and 89 and what was expected at the turn of that decade. Well I mean after having gone to the World Series two times in a row to go there three times I mean and it was fairly simple. I mean we didn't have any anybody breathing down our necks. So the regular season was was fairly simple. You know in the playoffs we beat the Red Sox again. But you know Cincinnati beat us obviously in the, in the World Series swept us you know which was shocking. I mean absolutely shocking. 
but as far as that team is considered, I mean, you go back to that team, it's pretty much the same, you know, with Conseco and McGuire and, and Lansford and you go right around. I mean, Dave Henderson, Ricky Henderson, you know, Conseco, uh, Walt Weiss. I mean, pitching staff, great starting pitching, great starting pitching. And once again, great bullpen. I mean, it, it was just a great all-round team. I mean, um, and then we added a couple guys late. Willie McGee. Imagine walking after the team like that, and you have Willie McGee come in. I think Harold. I think Harold Baines came came around too. I don't think he's, I think he was there all year, but Willie McGee came late in the season. He ended up leading the National League and hitting. He comes over to us in you know September, I think it was. So, I mean, we just we had it all. We just you know, Jose Rijo pitched two good games in the World Series and beat us. I asked Eck as well about the rest of that bullpen. He was the key piece of it, but he's got memories of some other people that did some things. Yeah, I mean, you think about the bullpen, it's not just me at all. I mean, for me, if I didn't have Rick Honeycutt, I mean, he was uh, crucial in that bullpen. You know, he'd, he'd get out a tough left-hander. Sometimes I wouldn't even pitch the ninth inning, start the ninth inning, if there was a tough left-handed batter, he'd come in and get the first left-hander. Then I'd come in to make my job a lot easier. And then we had setup guys. You know, that was beginning of setup guys. You know, Gene Nelson was one of the best in the league at the time. Um, and then we had long guys. You know, we had we left right out in the bullpen like everybody else um, and some long guys. But, um, you know, a lot of guys get forgotten. You know, now – you know, setup guys are so much, you know, you hear their names, you know who they are nowadays. Back then, you didn't. But I knew who helped me, and that was really Rick Honeycutt and, and Gene Nelson. Uh, nice of Eck to give those guys some love. But he was the man. I mean, .61 ERA, two home runs allowed all year. One to the scrawniest guy in the league, Donnie Hill. The other to the brawniest guy in the league, that was Bo Jackson. His teammates are now ready to bat top of the second against Andy Pettit. Future Yankee Jose Canseco is in there. Takes a strike on the outside. It's nothing in one. Canseco, in fact, on the bench for these 2,000 Yankees. Thankfully not in the starting lineup for Joe Torre. Otherwise, this would basically be one of those episodes on Family Guy where Stewie and Brian get the time machine. Pettit deals the next one. It is low, one and one. Ozzy Canseco, Jose's twin brother, on the 1990 A's for a bit as well. Got in 25 games. But Jose is the guy that won everybody's heart. 37 home runs. Got 39 from the guy now on deck, Mr. McGuire. Pitch outside here, 2-1. and one. Conseco Cuban-born. At one time, the all-time leader in home runs among Latino players. But he's been passed by a few now. From Manny Ramirez to Albert Pujols. Palmero, Delgado, Arod, Sosa, Miguel Cabrera, so on down the line. Pitch to him, chopped foul right at home plate. Two and two. No score between the 90 A's and the 2,000 Yankees. Canseco's battled a, a bad back off and on here in 1990. Didn't seem at full strength in the 90 World Series, that's for sure. And that four-game sweep by Oakland, he went just one out of 14. Now the pitch, cut on line, drive towards short, but right there, Derek Jeter, he plucks it out of the air. One down, top of the second inning, here is McGuire, 235 batter, but 39 home runs, 108 runs batted in, he walked 110 times. 
big redhead, not quite as big as he'll get in future years. That's another story for another time. Pettit brings it, swing, it's fouled into the crowd. And a fan in some crazy zigzag orange and white Zubas and a tank top makes that catch. It'll be many years later, but Mark McGuire will introduce us to the phenomenon of seeing foul balls as highlights on your late local news. It's like today, the Cardinals won 16 to 1. Let's go to the videotape. Mark McGuire crushes one foul. Look at that. Look how deep that goes. <laughs> you, you never saw highlights of Wayne Gretzky almost score a goal or Michael Jordan almost make a basket. But you would always see highlights of McGuire pulling one foul. Taking here, and it's low, one and one. Mark McGuire, double M, has quite the thing for the letter M. His kids are named Max, Mason, Matt, and the triplet girls are named Marlo, Monroe, and Monet. Here's a strike to him. A little high up, but it's called a strike. It's one and two. Borderline pitch. And McGuire, who will have those huge home run seasons, hitting numbers like 60 and 70, he was not the first to get to 60. That was Sammy Sosa, barely. But as those two bobbed and weaved down to the wire in that steroid-infused season 11 years from now. McGuire got to 62 first to pass Roger Maris, then all the way to 70 on the season's final day. Here's a pitch from Pettit. Called third strike. That one right on the outside corner. McGuire shaking his head. He'll go back to the dugout. Two down, top of the second inning now. And it's not Ricky but Dave Henderson coming up. 271 batter at the age of 31 this year. 20 home runs, 63 runs batted in. Wearing number 42 is Hendu. Originally from Merced, California. Long major league career. Started with the Mariners and the Red Sox, the Giants crossed town to the A's. And boy, do you even remember him as a Kansas City Royal in 1994. Taking here in its high 1-0. Oakland met his old team, the Red Sox, in the 1990 ALCS, swept them in four games. Oakland had Willie McGee in center field the first two games. Henderson played the last two games. They had Henderson, Willie McGee, Harold Baines, some other bench guys of note, the far less famous Felix Jose and Doug Jennings. Lance Blankenship was their most used backup infielder this 1990 season. There's a strike called Dave Henderson 1-1. One one. Boy, he's not a fan of that call. Shows that gap-tooth smile as he tries to grin through the disagreement with home plate umpire Ken Kaiser. Outfield back a step against him. Now the 1-1 pitch. Check swing. Oh, it's a grounder shanked right towards first Tino Martinez. He's got it. Goes to the bag. And that's the inning. At the end of one and a half, still no score. And now a word from one of our 1990 sponsors in honor of these 1990 Oakland A's. Get in! Take the right steps to get your new kids' collector's kit. This incredible offer, only $9.99, will end soon. So call now. Here's what you get. A new kids on the block giant friendship butt. A new kids on the block drinking mug. A new kids notebook. Plus, an official new kids keychain. Here's how it works. Step one, call 1-900-990-KIDS. Step two, we'll bill your telephone. Step three, allow six to eight weeks for delivery. Styles may vary. It is. Get parents to fit. And step four, call now. That's right, we gave in sync some airtime earlier, so a 1-900 ad for new kids, that seemed only fair. 
Back live, we go to the bottom of the second. Still no score. Dave Stewart looked terrific in the first inning. That rising fastball, the slider, the fork ball that he started throwing right back around uh, 1986. He'll open here with the switch hitting center fielder Bernie Williams, 307 batter. Native of Puerto Rico, wears 51 on his back. And Bernie Williams will retire close to a 300 hitter. Then go to work on his jazz and classical guitar career from there. He takes on the outside corner strike one. Williams, a couple years ago, hit 339. Batting title, Gold Glove Award, World Series ring, all in the same year. First player ever to do that as he takes a fork ball down too low, one and one. It was after that 98 season, Bernie Williams signed a seven year, $88 million contract with the Yankees. That was about the largest one in baseball at the time. Red Sox were interested in him, Arizona interested in him. And for the length of that contract, the Yankees made the playoffs every single year. Here's the pitch. Fastball hammered towards right center. Up the gap it goes. Jose Canseco will chase it down in front of Dave Henderson near the warning track. But Williams on his way to second. He's got a leadoff double. Good piece of hitting right there by Bernie Williams. Leadoff man is at second base with Tino Martinez and Dave Justice. Couple lefties coming up. Tino Martinez. 91 runs batted in this year, a 258 hitter. First round pick of the Mariners in 88 out of the University of Tampa. And he takes here, it's a strike, nothing in one. 1988, you might remember the Summer Olympics. It was Jim Abbott, Robin Ventura, and Tino Martinez leading the way. Martinez had a huge game to back an Abbott complete game. In South Korea, pitch is low here. It's one and one. Williams lead from second in a scoreless game. Tino Martinez began his career playing under one-time Yankee Lou Pinella out in Seattle. Lou Pinella grew up in Tampa, right in the same neighborhood that Tino is from. In fact, the families knew each other very well. Rock on the rubber, here's a pitch now. Grounder, but right to short. Runner's got a hold. Walt Weiss stares him down, throws to first. There's one out now. Dave Stewart never shy about challenging a batter. And that ball just kind of fought towards shortstop. So Dave Justice up here is the, uh, the future Oakland A, but for now, of course, getting it done as a Yankee to the tune of a 305 batting average here in 2000. Big left-hand batter, wears 28 as a Yankee. He takes low, it's ball one. Crestview Hills, Kentucky native. Fourth round pick of the Braves at one point. 34 years old now. Arriving from the Indians earlier this summer. 20 homers as a Yankee, 21 as an Indian. So 41 home runs for the season. And he takes a strike here on the outer half. It's one and one. Battle of the Daves here, Justice and Stewart. And Stewart on June 29th of this year, no hit the Blue Jays up at Sky Dome, but a few hours later, Fernando Valenzuela, no hit the Cardinals at Dodger Stadium. First time in big league history, no hitters have been thrown in both leagues on the same day. Here's the kick, here's the pitch. Swing another ground ball towards short, and again, the runners got a hold. Walt Weiss 
We'll toss it over to McGuire. Two down and two nice at-bats here for Dave Stewart. Facing Tino Martinez and Dave Justice. Posada coming up. They're going to walk him. They're going to put him on to face Ricky Lede, which I guess makes sense. Posada having a breakout season. Jumped from 12 home runs to 28. From 57 home runs to 86. There's ball one outside. And this is the first of his five All-Star appearances. All-Star game this year in 2000 was in Atlanta. Posada backing up Pudge Rodriguez. Ended up with a couple of bats. There's ball two outside. The AL won that All-Star game. They broke it open with three in the ninth off Trevor Hoffman. James Baldwin of the White Sox, officially the winning pitcher, came on for the starter, David Wells. Here's ball three outside. And Posada, drafted by the Yankees originally out of a community college, would then uh, be drafted again the following year. Finally did sign as a 24th rounder. There's ball four to him, so it's going to be two on. Well, that's a lot of mileage the Yankees will get out of Posada as a 24th round pick. Here's Ricky Lede, the fourth of the four Puerto Ricans in the lineup for Joe Torre. And in 2000, Lede hitting 241 for the Yankees. They eventually traded him along with Jake Westbrook and Zach Day to Cleveland in exchange for the man who batted earlier this inning, Dave Justice. And he takes a strike here. It's nothing in one. Ricky Lede had two pretty good years in New York before this one. Left-handed outfielder reaching base in eight straight plate appearances in the 98 World Series at one point. Here's the kick. Here's the pitch. It's driven in the left center in the air. Back pretty near the warning track, near the 399 marker. There's so much room out there. Dave Henderson makes the catch. Ricky Henderson peels off and heads back towards that visiting dugout. The inning is over. The Yankees threaten, but they do not score. Dave Stewart pitching out of it. And at the end of two, 90 A's nothing. The Devil O Yankees nothing. Let's go to the top of the third right away. Move this bad boy along for you here. Terry Steinbach to lead things off at a New Ulm, Minnesota. 251 batter. Plenty of baseball left in him. He's only 28. And some say he is managerial material. He's played for two of the best. Tony La Russa here in Oakland. Tom Kelly in Minnesota. The pitch to him is high. It's ball one from Andy Pettit. Steinbach's career year with Oakland was in 96. 35 home runs, 100 runs batted in. He was drafted as a third baseman. But when Steinbach was breaking in, the A's were grooming, believe it or not, Mark McGuire to play third base. So Steinbach learned to catch, figuring that would be a quicker path to the big leagues. Here's the wind, here's the pitch. A rope in left field, it's a base hit. Down in front of Ricky Lede. Well, the Yankees had the leadoff man on in the bottom of the second, couldn't do anything with it. Let's see what the A's can do now in the top of the third. Bunting situation maybe for Mike Gallego. Currently an athletic, but soon enough will be a Yankee. Then an athletic again, he'll finish up as a Cardinal, but... For now, we can tell you 17 sack bunts this season. That led the American League. So everyone in this ballpark thinking bunt in a scoreless game. And sure enough, Brocious in at third already. Tino Martinez coming in from first. Gallego squares. He takes a strike at the knees. Nothing in one. Right-hand batter, 29 years old. Just a 206 hitter this year. And once Gallego becomes a Yankee, he'll be given uniform number two. 
the last man to have that before Jeter. As an athletic, he wears number nine, a number already retired here in New York for Roger Maris. Pitch coming, a bunt, it's right back towards Pettit. He's got to play at second base, and he will get the lead man. Derek Jeter covering, so Mike Gallego, known as a good bunter. He does not advance Steinbach, but now he, a slightly faster man, is at first base. One out for Willie Randolph. 257 hitter. Just one home run in part-time duty now at the age of 35. He's DHing in this one instead of Harold Baines, since there is a lefty on the mound and Andy Pettit. Longtime Yankee player, future Yankee coach, manager of the Crosstown Mets eventually, the Brooklyn-born Willie Randolph taking a strike that brings the outside edge. It's nothing in one. Randolph, an outstanding defensive player, could really turn the double play, but never got a gold glove. Frank White, Lou Whitaker were always his contemporaries. Pretty good lead at first here in a scoreless game. Mike Gallego take an extra step now. And the pitch, swing, little ground ball in the right field. That's a base hit. Around and heading towards third is Gallego. He'll make it there without a throw. It's going to be first and third and just one out. Great chance now for the top of the order, Carney Lansford. Lansford 0 for 1, grounded to short to open the game. And the infield in just a little bit, not all the way. You've got two on, one out. You want the shot at turning the double play, but man, a little grounder softly hit to the right side. Could make it 1-0 Oakland in the game shaping up as a pitcher's duel. The lefty Pettit, who actually led the Yankees in innings pitched a third of an inning more than Roger Clemens this year. He'll deal, and that's a strike. It's nothing in one. To the Santa Clarita, California native, Carney Lansford. If you've ever been to the Bay Area and had the pleasure of staying at the Sir Francis Drake Hotel off Powell Street in San Francisco, Carney Lansford is a direct descendant of the Sir Francis Drake. First and third, one out. And the pitch to Lansford, a little chopper towards first base, one coming home. Only play is for Tino Martinez to go grab a touch first. He does get the out, but a runner at second now, and a run has scored. Mike Gallegos across. The Oakland A's have the lead here. It is one to nothing. And Lansford, who had only 50 runs batted in, he's got the first RBI of this game. Andy Pettit still looking strong, but he has allowed the run to score. Now he's got to deal with Walt Weiss. Everybody loves Walt Weiss. Kind of guy who will die for a ball even if it's 17 to 1. And if you ask him why, he'll tell you, well, the pitcher on the mound is trying to keep his ERA down. So the least I can do is try to help him out. With one on, two out, the pitch to White. Swings and he socks it on the ground. Tough play in the hole near short. Derek Jeter, he's got it with that jump throw. He got it at first base. Oh, and Walt Weiss not thrilled with that call at first base, but there's no replay right now. We're in either 1990 or the year 2000. So, Walt Weiss, now he'll just hand his batting gloves to first base coach Dave McKay, who has some words to the Weiss. We are at the end of two and a half. Oakland has taken the lead. It is one to nothing over the 2,000 Yankees.
we move ahead to further action. That's our favorite thing to do. This ended up being a very competitive, very low-scoring game that had only 10 hits in it. You just heard the big non-hit that got the run in. Connie Lansford did that. There was one big hit, that from Dave Henderson in the fifth, solo home run to make it two to nothing. That ball getting out to right center from Dave Henderson. It would become three nothing, 1990 Oakland A's. Mark McGuire doubling in Jose Canseco who had walked. That was really the one rough inning for Pettit. He pitched out of it from there though, kept it at three nothing. Dave Stewart had it going on. Yankees couldn't touch him. They finally got a home run from Posada tucked inside that uh, right field foul pole right down the line in the bottom of the eighth inning. But that was with two out. It cut it to three to one. And Dave Stewart just kind of kept on motoring, I guess. 120 pitches. He went all the way through. Dennis Eckersley was warm in the bullpen in the ninth. They never needed him. There was a two-out walk to Bernie Williams to bring the tying man to the plate. But Dave Stewart actually stayed on the mound to face Tino Martinez, who bounced right back to the mound. And Dave Stewart with that cap pulled way down low, a little toss to first base, that ended the ball game and ended it in this tournament for the 2000 Yankees. They lose three to one, three runs, six hits, no errors for the 1990 A's behind a complete game from Dave Stewart, a six hitter. He walked three and struck out three. For the 2000 Yankees, one run, four hits and no errors. Andy Pettit pitched well enough to win, but he did not. So the 2000 Yankees eliminated. And we can tell you it's the nine seed, the 1990 A's moving on. Eventually they'll face the top seed in this region, the 1986 New York Mets. Next week on the Throwback League podcast, we can promote it right now. An 11 seed will visit a six. We'll have the NL champions of 1985, the St. Louis Cardinals, up against the world champions of 03, the rebuilt Florida Marlins. Remember, they were gutted down to nothing after their championship run of 97. But by 03, after a little help from... Well, whatever the hell happened at Wrigley Field in the NLCS there, they were winning it all right here at Yankee Stadium. Once again, at Yankee Stadium in this one, it was Dave Stewart's 1990 A's 3, the 2000 Yankees 1. This is Josh Lewin. Hope you enjoyed it. Please leave us a nice review on iTunes if you don't mind, and subscribe if you haven't done so yet. We invite you to join the conversation where we're trying to put together a little community here. You can find us at the Throwback LG, short for league, on Twitter. On our website, we give you the full Monty, thethrowbackleague.com. Either way, appreciate you. Glad you found it. Do help us spread the word. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye.